My name is Valerie Vetter and welcome to the Aftering Radio Show, Mortality and Us. On today's programme, learning more about what's happening for the very special upcoming Irish Hospice Foundation Forum 2019, which is open to all. My name is Angela Edgehill and I am the Advocacy Manager with the Irish Hospice Foundation. Tell me a bit about this upcoming Forum 2019. Okay, Forum 2019 is the biennial... conference of the Irish Hospice Foundation. Every two years we hold a national conference. We have been doing that since 2009. So here we are, 10th anniversary, decade of this. And it was just to open a conversation about dying and death and to explore what were people's needs. And this year is no different. We have built on, every time we've built on the different forums. Last year we looked at the People's Charter on Dying, Death and Bereavement, which had come out of our survey. Um, This year, we're looking at how dying and death affects us in all areas of our life. So it's not just in the healthcare. And our tagline is, the theme is, dying is everyone's business. And somebody said to me, oh, it's not really. I said, well, it is if you're immortal. (laughs) If you're immortal, that's fine. Then dying is not your business. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We are mortals and we live in the mortal realm. And we must... If we are dying, if we are bereaved, we must interact with people in all forms of life. It doesn't just happen in hospitals. When you leave that hospital after somebody has died, you are a bereaved user of public transport. You are a bereaved user of social services, for instance, when you go to register the death. You are a bereaved person at work. You are a bereaved person in your leisure time with your family. So, And it has effects on us, all of us, our only experience of death is other people's death. So we, we, we die vicariously, so to speak. So our only experience of death is grief. And grief is our com- common ground. A sad fact, but true. Because that is where we all live. So the dying is everyone's business is to look at how people organise themselves in their lives and in their professional lives around dying, death and bereavement. And we are delighted to have, as our guest speaker, Dr Catherine Mannix, who wrote an amazing book, called with the end in mind dying death and wisdom in an age of denial isn't that wonderful so we're all pretending it doesn't happen because now we can put it all on you know google or whatever we can i'm very old so i'm not up to date up to date with all this technology but she has gone right back to what is important the small kindnesses the good conversation the how do we mind each other and that's really important. So she's our, our um, guest speaker. And then we have, after her, um, her speech, we then have a break, obviously. And then we have a panel, which is very kindly chaired for us by Claire Byrne of RTE, who is an amazing broadcaster and facilitator and has kindly did Forum um, 2015 for us as well. And we have a panel of four people and we've given them the title, Dying is My Business. And they include a palliative medicine consultant who is a paediatrician, so she deals with the death of children. We have a retired Garda sergeant who has dealt with suicide and road accidents and violent death and been the person who knocks on the door to say, to tell somebody the worst thing in the world. We have an end-of-life care coordinator from one of the busy Dublin hospitals, and that will be fascinating about how his work and how the Hospice Friendly Hospitals programme works. And we have 
Dr. Brian Farrell, who is the Dublin City Coroner Emeritus and is a pathologist by training. So there you go, there's dying and death and dead because he's the coroner, the final thing, the final legal close-off is with the coroner's inquest. So he'll bring a really unique insight into all of that. And then, if that's not enough, we give everybody a really good lunch and then they all go off to workshops and we have eight workshops this time around. We're absolutely delighted to try and give that breadth of how dying and death is important. We have a, a, a death This is all in one day. All in one day. Oh my goodness. So people better come with their concentration. <laughs> so we have a we have a death cafe which is our boss cafe as we call it in Irish which says eat cake drink tea and share your thoughts uh, we have a question and answers on the assisted decision making capacity act which is important about very the, useful uh, very much about capacity and also about um, advanced healthcare directives we have uh, a whole session on enhancing adult bereavement care so looking at how we care for each other and one of my lovely colleagues who has a uh, has a doctorate in this is going to be looking at the latest research and how we can help we have grief at work we just talked about that the effect of people going into work and feeling that their world has stopped but their work world still goes on and how do you marry that when it's not business as usual and then we have a session uh, we also have a workshop on end of life in the nursing home so what do people do how do they sort their affairs out and how do nurse, how are nursing home staff supported. Is this from the view of the patient in the nursing home or the families with the patient or is it more broad? I think or? it's I think it's all of those. We have a programme here called CEOL, uh, C-E-O-L, Compassionate End of Life, which is a continuous improvement programme where we work with nursing home staff to help them work with families, work with people in nursing homes. So that's a, an interesting one. We have a solicitor who's doing the wisdom of wills and why it's important. So that will be really brilliant and very practical for people. And we are delighted that Glasnevin Trust are doing a workshop called Funerals Past, Present and Future. So that will be a great one. I'm, I'm really I'm really sorry, I can't go to that one myself because I'm probably going to be involved in other stuff. But anyway, and then we have a focus group, which is, thank God, is already full um, on the People's Charter that we developed in from the last forum. And it's to look at how, is it relevant still? Do people see it as, how could they roll it out in their community? So they're the workshops. And if that's not enough, when the workshops are over, we then have a session on Grief is Our Common Ground. And that is Senator Mary Louise O'Donnell, who is a noted broadcaster and writer and politician. She is going to be doing an interview session with Katie Ann and Ashleen O'Toole, who run an organisation called Jacinta Smile. They had a lot of sibling loss in their family and it really affected them. And they have set up a sibling loss uh, support organisation called Jacinta Smile. And I have heard them speak and they are wonderful. And that will be an interesting session. And there may be questions and answers. It very much depends on, we've left that very fluid with them. The three of them will work it out. And Mary Louise is certainly one for teasing out the whole thing. And then we have a little final wrap up from our CEO. And then we have the Fluky Ukes, who are a ukulele band who play at the end. And I forgot to say, at the beginning, we are delighted to have St. James's Hospital Junior Doctors Choir, who are called the Bleeping Interns. <laughs> and they're going to start the day with some singing. So it's going to be a good day. And so the hour is when does it start? It starts at nine o'clock unfortunately early start and it will be over by 4.30 it's in Dublin Castle in the Hibernia Conference Centre it is a wonderful venue 
and we're absolutely delighted to have it and the difficulty is we must be out at a certain time which is why we tend to start early and finish early and uh, we're very very much looking forward to it and this is on the 24th 24th Thursday the 24th of October and the other thing we will have a couple of things like like the uh, we have a, a, a thing here that was started in the UK called the departure lounge where people will have the opportunity to uh, sit around and have a look at what choices and what plans they might like to make and how they would feel about things so just a little whimsical look at end of life in that way we'll also have a, a really beautiful interactive art piece which is called always remembered where we give people everybody who, who comes will get a petal so it's a sunflower it's a sunflower and we have multicolored petals and we ask people to sign a petal to remember someone you love who has died oh. and we'll put them all up and we have an artist coming to look at this and she's going to produce a painting from it afterwards obviously not at not at forum but she's coming to get an idea and we any any public events we do we do always remembered and we give people the opportunity just to write this out put them up and we keep them you can see them around the office today we've got them so it's basically it's kind of a giant it's kind a of giant a sunflower. paper sunflower yeah and then in the center is hashtag always always remembered yeah and then each petal is kind of like comes away it is it? each petal comes away and it's a separate and you oh. can write a separate name on so you can pull it off and then write yeah and, okay. everybody will get them everybody will get one of these when they will they will be in the packs and then there will be lots more because we know that most people don't just have one person they want to remember often they have when I start writing down good god you could go on for the list gets longer do you remember the November list for the dead which Mm. is what people used to do mine gets longer and longer every year Um, as it does with all of us so it's it's really nice to uh, to do that and we've used this a lot um, and people like it and it's important that we get the opportunity to take that moment and breathe hard and sit down and write a little bit just somebody's name Somebody said to me, I hadn't written that name for ages, and I saw a man once who I, I know his father died when he was uh, a child and he was now in his mid-fifties, and when we gave him the petal, he just wrote Daddy. Oh. And I thought, there is that eight-year-old child again, and that was that's lovely. So it's just that little opportunity. So there's all sorts of stuff going on, and it will be good fun as well as seriously a good conference. So well, there will be quality. Yeah. And um, so, f- from what you've learned over doing it for so long, like, what are the things that have come up? People just like the opportunity to talk. Healthcare professionals come because they want to learn. So, they learn from people like Catherine Mannix, but they also learn from the audience. And one of the things that was said, oh, when, we've ha- when we have the panel, we have the four people on the panel, and they'll give short presentations, and then we have a question and answer from the audience for a full hour. We did that last time around, and it was brilliant. And I remember everybody was talking about the good death. We had this conversation about good death. One woman talked about her experience where her sister and her husband had been killed in a road traffic accident. And she said, what do we do when there is no dying, when there is only death? And that really, I felt like somebody had punched me in the stomach when they said that. Because I thought, yeah, we're all here about this wonderful, what happens with murder or suicide or you know, road traffic, sudden death. What happens there? So that's why we wanted this time around to look at those aspects with the guard, with the coroner, those kind of, the not planned for, between the sheets, holy water death, the awfulness of that. So there's a little bit of that. So we learn every year. 
we learn every year. And the lovely thing is that often people who have spoken from the floor or made a, asked a question or whatever, sometimes they become panellists, as we did in 2017. We had Helen Lamb, who had spoken about her husband's death and how when he was in the hospice that she really wanted to lie down on the bed with him and why did they not have wider beds. So the following, we, we've been, we're still working on, it, on that with her over a number of years. And then last time around, we asked Helen, would she come and talk about bereavement? And she did, and it was great. So we do, we tend to keep it, keep it going and try to keep the conversation going for anybody and everybody. And sometimes people don't want to join in. They just want to listen, and that's good too. Well, that's what I was going to ask, is like, you know... Um, you might be curious about going, but like you don't have, you know, say in the workshops, you don't get called on or no, anything like no, that no, yet. no, no. You can kind of sit quietly. Oh, in the you back. can do whatever you want. Yeah. You because it can be intimidating. Oh, completely. And I met a lady last time around, and I said, "Who who did you come with?" And she said, "I came alone." And I said, "Are you okay?" And she said, "Oh yeah, I'm really liking this." And then she was chatting <laughs> to people afterwards. And I met a couple of people who were kept in touch, who would ring me afterwards or ring my colleagues afterwards. It we don't. We don't ask anything of anybody. Just just come, listen with an open mind, listen with an open heart, and take whatever you can from us because that's all we can do. We can't make any of this better. People are still going to die. People are still bereaved. But we're just trying to say, okay, well, there's a bit of space. Think about it. Does that help? And if it doesn't, so be it. Because it can be better with strangers, I find. But what if if things come up, you know, I mean, because it's the nature of the, Absolutely. the day is that it can, you know, especially the, the, the material is very challenging. Yeah, it especially is very when challenging. Especially when it's kind of like unexpected sudden death, mm. murder mm. and mm. suicide mm. and, you know, terrible things. It's like it can actually spark off mm-hmm. very, very deep feelings. Take a moment. Absolutely. And we have lots and lots and lots of our professional staff and volunteers who will make sure that there is always somewhere quiet for people to go they can sit we can get them a cup of tea we can mind them and people are very free to come and go um as they please so it's quite uh, really. a safe environment oh a very safe that. environment yeah. okay. a very safe and we remind people and that's why we bookend with music we try and lift so in the morning it's to keep to wake us all up because it's early now we have really good pastries and very good coffee first thing in the morning so we're okay with that and then we have the choir so that sort of starts the day on a high lunchtime is always busy because we you know 330 people having lunch within an hour and then into workshops which is why the timetable is tight but every time we've tried to cut it down people have said no no do this don't forget to do that so it's 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 tried and trusted now is there any reason why you do just one day rather than two Mainly, I think, because we only have the venue for one day, and we're very lucky the, uh, the government give us the venue, because um, we ask them. They're allowed to do this every year or so, um, and we, now we pay for everything else. The venue is, is free. We only have the venue for one day, um, and also because I think the logistics, we're a relatively small organisation, and it is a lot of work so it's a big ask it you is. know you might do like one excellent day and then two days it's just it's a yeah day. yeah that's yeah. it it's very difficult yeah. so i mean obviously this is a, every two years maybe the maybe ihf should look at doing maybe forum every two years and a smaller thing in between now we do do other public engagement for instance we've got the living with loss um, evening that we've been having for the last number of years is on in the Alex Hotel on the 7th of November and again that's an open 
an open uh, invitation to people. It's completely free. People just come in and uh, stay around. It's an annual event. It's on the first Thursday of every November. How does the format of that work? What happens is they uh, we invite all of the voluntary providers of bereavement support services. So we have, for instance, we have rainbows for children, and, and we have Anamkara for um, people who have, have lost children. We have the Neonatal Sudden Death Association. We have all of those, and we have adult bereavement services as well. We have the people who look after the suicide bereaved. So. Um, all of those voluntary services come and they all set up around the room and they're all available for people to talk to. We People come in, they have a cup of tea, they have a wander around the stores. We have a little talk about bereavement and caring for yourself. We have a guest speaker, we have a wrap up and then people go home. And it's lovely. The first time we did it, I remember us all thinking, will anybody come? And by five minutes into it, the hotel was saying, no more chairs in this room. You know, we were... Health and safety. Health and safety. <laughs> we were full. Okay. And then we put it in a bigger venue and we fill it every time. So it's just... And it's absolutely free and people find it really good. And it's also, for people from all walks of life, we get a bit presumptuous about who's who are the bereaved. You know, the bereaved are us. And because uh, a lady was talking to me last time around and she said she had driven up from the south and she said oh I'm delighted my daughter came up with me and I was thinking isn't that nice the daughter supporting the mother in every room and then then I saw the daughter coming towards me and the mother said because her husband died last year and it was the daughter who was bereaved and my presumption was the mother had was the bereaved person you know and there was a very young woman who was a widow and had come to a bereavement evening and it was the mother supporting her so people come people come alone Often I've seen people and say you say to them, oh, there are seats over there, and they say, oh no, I'll, I'll just stand here. So people come and they kind of weigh up the thing, say, anybody going to make me do anything? And then they get comfortable and then they sit down. So we have people who come absolutely every year, and every year we get new people too. Last year we had um, Captain Dara Fitzpatrick, who was killed in oh. rescue. Her sister um, was the speaker last year. That was very, di- I mean, such a public death too, you know. Shocking. And and it really moved the nation. It did move the nation. But it doesn't help if you're her sister. No, it doesn't. How moved the nation is or isn't. It doesn't, because you are the person who was lost. And how awful to have to grieve in public as well, in a way. It's bad enough. I remember when Anthony Foley died. Remember the... The the uh, I didn't know him at all, but actually one of my one of my colleagues is a is a very good friend of his family, um, and I remember thinking how awful for that family because the whole concentration was on rugby, the whole concentration was on how the whole sport, beautiful. I mean his colleagues were amazing, but his wife stood up at the funeral and she took him back, and I just thought that was amazing. She reminded everybody this was. A husband, a son, a father, a brother. She, you know, the personality. We might all grieve the personality and the prowess and the, but the personal loss is the one thing. And I think it. I just thought she was the most amazing woman to do that. You know, it's very difficult. I think to grieve in public. Is it anything that the Irish Hospice Foundation are looking at? Is the kind of the change? Like so, one of the things that's quite new for people, especially when you're it's bereavement and grief, is social media. I'm not saying it's easy for someone whose member of their family is 
is a public figure but now we're in all kind of public absolutely. figures absolutely and there's this sort of um, really strange dynamic around that sharing of information yes. and and a lot of pain there as well yes I would agree I, I think it's very difficult I mean years ago people would have gone to see people who were bereaved would have sat down with them would have really sympathise with them or done the ritual of shaking hands I'm sorry for your trouble at the funeral or the removal or whatever it was <laughs> now people put an emoji up on Crying, Facebook or, or yeah, you yeah. know I I personally don't, don't like it very much although social media is very powerful for getting people's grief messages out there in, in so far as you know there is no right right or wrong way to grieve it doesn't matter if it takes you ages to get out of it you know you're not losing your mind if you're still that's crying. true you can you can do a google search and find bad stuff as well as it's good, good stuff though, yeah exactly yeah. that's the thing but i think in terms of our relationship with each other i think it does make us one remove i mean when you look at phenomenal things like the death of princess diana do you really ever forget anything like that that was everybody people who never in a million years would even hardly think about the woman felt bereaved and you think about the effect it had on her children. Uh, I mean, she's a bad example because I wouldn't say they're a particularly well-functioning family anyway. But, um, look, you know, that whole thing of the cult of celebrity, how everybody is, everybody is at a lot. Of course, the world has lost somebody wonderful, but some people are grieving personally. And those wounds are deep. And we sometimes forget that, that it's all kind of, oh, just move on, you know. Because what I've learned is that, like, say, for the digital native generation, the ones that only know the internet mm -hmm. now, it's like um, there's been studies done on turning to YouTube, say, for, for teenagers that have suffered a bereavement, and they mightn't talk to their family, but they'll actually talk to the entire world Absolutely. about how they're feeling. Yeah. And you, you, it's, I think it's extraordinary because they run the risk of being, especially young women, they get judged. Yes. You know, it's, it's sort of... It's, an, it's just such a strange world. Isn't it? And you never know what reaction. you. It's like cast your bread upon the waters. You don't know where it goes afterwards. And you don't know what kind of reaction you'll have. And, some, and there are people out there who will send back negative messages. And then where does that go from here? So it... I Is think, there anything that the Irish Hospice Foundation... Well, I mean, our bereavement or, team are yeah. very much, you know, aware of all this. And, work, like, the Irish Childhood Bereavement Network is is, is uh, coordinated from here, and they're again looking at how do you help bereaved children, because children grieve too. And when you're bereaved in childhood, you're bereaved for life. And, like, the eight, you know, the eight-year-old boy writing Daddy on a sunflower, you know, that's... So it's yes all the time that there, there is work going on in bereavement and one of those workshops, the one about adult bereavement and how do we support, how collaboration can happen. And it's all about talking to people and getting back to that old thing of sitting. There is a beautiful poem. It says, when you meet someone deep in grief, slip off your needs and set them by the door. Enter barefoot this darkened chapel, hollowed by loss, hallowed by sorrow its grey stone walls and floor. You, congregation of one, are here to listen, not to sing. Kneel in the back pew, make no sound, let the candles speak. I just think that's stunning. It's by Patricia McKernan Runkle. I don't know anything about it, but I just think that just, you know, 
Uh, one of our former, lovely former colleagues, Brian Nolan, used to say, when you go to visit somebody, take a packet of biscuits, a box of tea bags and a pint of milk, make the tea and then eat all the biscuits while you listen to them talk. And I just thought it was a great thing, you know, do something with your mouth so that you're not interrupted, just listen. And I think that's, you know, a shame because I think that with the internet, the instinct is to immediately start. You see young people, poof, their you know, fingers are flying. It's not it? necessarily think no. first. Instant, instant, instant. Yeah. yeah, has to be. And it's, yeah. Um, if people want to go to Forum 2019, okay. what's the best way to well, they can, do it? They and can, it's open to everybody. It's open to everybody. It is, we, we, obviously we have to, unfortunately we have to uh, charge for it. It's, the tickets are 65 euro. You can book online at hospicefoundation.ie or you can call us on 6793188. That's 01679318. And we have a few tickets left and some of the workshops are practically booked up. So if anything there took your fancy and you want to come, please do. And say afterwards, um, you know, say if you can't for whatever reason go or the tickets are sold mm -hmm. out, is the material that's covered, yes. will that be up anywhere? Yes, we're hoping to, that we, we obviously have to ask all our speakers, do they mind having their, their uh, stuff up online? And we will put it up on our, on our website. And, um, and then if people think they might like to come to the next one, which would be Forum 2021, they can um, just let us know we put them on the list and then we tell them when we've started. We had people on the, the booking is open list, you know, or save the date list. And people were already saying, you know, book me in for that. So, yeah, we can let people know. And do you take suggestions from people? Yes, for we would things? love it. We do, we do an evaluation every year. We do an evaluation and we ask people to fill in a little form and they make suggestions and we're informed by that. So, yes, some of the issues, the when there is no dying, there is only death, is very much part of this year's uh, because we just thought that that was something that we might, you know, we can't, you can't romanticise everything. Uh, sometimes it is raw and nasty and awful. And um, so it's a little bit there about is, that too. Uh, for some people, there will be no good death. Absolutely. And it's about the people Absolutely. that are left behind. Absolutely. And how, how, do, not, you, how do you navigate yeah, that? And not adding insult to already outrageous injury. How do you, you know, and that, that behoves us all. I mean, that's the, the state, you know, us as individuals, the healthcare system, everything. Don't make it any worse than yeah, it already is. Yeah, I suppose because one of the things is mm. like in the panel that you have um, with the coroner, mm. the coroner and the guard is that like I'm I'm be interested their experience of um, you know it must get in on them absolutely, that's, and that's, that's what we wanted them to explain as well that we and Mary Louise uh, O'Donnell did two brilliant uh, reports, Finite Lives one and two, and the one about what what's the state's role in dying, death, and bereavement. And she looked at all that and a lot of people had no special training and yet they are expected to go in. You know, there's a bit of a debrief or a, are you all right, have a cup of tea kind of thing. How do you do that? How do you do that all day, every day? I mean, healthcare professionals have to do it too. And sometimes that's why people say, oh, well, you have to put on your professional face. That's fine too. But sometimes you, you know, you're a human being interacting with other human beings and like that helps. It helps if you remember that as well as being a professional, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's the thing. So it should be an interesting day. My name is Valerie Vetter. Thanks so very much for listening. I'd like to especially thank Angela Edgehill from the Irish Hospice Foundation. More information from hospicefoundation.ie.
Till next time, goodbye.